Amen. Amen. Well, go ahead and grab a seat. It is absolutely wonderful to be with you today. Uh, my name's Mike, one of the pastors on the team. Uh, we celebrate what Jesus is doing. I, I love being with you and worshiping and even singing that song about how we've called out to the Lord and he has rescued us. Just a beautiful, beautiful thing. I, I do want to tell you that one of the reasons I praise God is for the sunshine this weekend. Can I get an amen or like, yeah. True story, I was like doing my quiet time this morning, the sun was streaming in, I'm like, yeah. I put on my short sleeve shirt, I rush out to come to church without a coat on, 31 degrees. So I, I woke up just a little bit, come to church. Hey, um, I want to begin by just saying that uh, this weekend, we had the opportunity of hosting a conference called Refresh. And what Refresh is, it's, a, it's a specifically designed to bring encouragement and rejuvenation to families who are walking the road of foster care or foster adopt or uh, adoption. We don't just want to be a church that champions adoption, which I think that's a wonderful thing to be. We also want to be a church that uh, supports and cares for those families that are already walking that road. And I, I just want to let you know that over this weekend, there were over a thousand people here being refreshed at our Refresh Conference. Can we just thank the Lord for that? So beautiful. And Michelle, uh, thank you, and your husband, Andrew. Michelle and Andrew are, are the, the ones who are the catalyst behind all of that, and, and it's just been a, a profoundly amazing thing to be a part of. Now, I do want to let you know that as I was walking the hallways and talking to folks, I, I began to pray for all of the families that were here that in the scope of the conference, that they would receive a few things, that they would receive energy, that they would receive emotional vibrancy, that they would receive physical stamina and intellectual durability. And as I was praying these things and just kind of enjoying the conference, suddenly it hit me. We all need those things as well. That those things are not just for, for one group of people, but, but that's what God has in mind for all of us. And so if you want to grab your notes out of your handout, you'll see that we are jumping into a brand new series. It's going to be a challenge. And I do want you to understand that I feel like deeply within me that this has the potential to completely change everything about who we are as a church family. This is going to this is going to be foundational in terms of what it is that God wants to do with and through our lives. This idea of march wellness. And what it is is it's going to be a stewardship series, but the the idea is that we would be stewarding our whole being. We're not going to talk about financial stewardship. I know that's sort of what always gets tagged on when we, we hear the word stewardship. We're going to be talking about stewarding our bodies, our minds, and our soul, okay? Body, mind, and soul. And I know as soon as I say that, some of you instantly, like the most spiritual ones here, you're like, uh, why, are we, why are we concerned about our bodies or our minds? Like, we, all we should care about is our soul. And uh, that's why I come to church. I've been coming to church for a long time. We always talk about our soul. That, that, that's kind of the issue. And if you do think like that, by the way, the reason why you think like that is because of the ancient Greeks, now, I want to tell you something. The ancient Greeks, they really screwed us up. And I'm not just talking about what they did to yogurt, okay? 
the, the, the Greeks, they, they really messed us up in our thinking because they're the ones that cut a human being into three pieces. And they said, look, here's a piece of a human that's the body, and here's another piece of a human, it's the intellect, the mind, and here's a third piece of a human, it's, it's the soul, it's the spirit, the heart. And, and they're the ones who first parsed out the, the aspects of a human being, and then they made value judgments. And you know what? These things don't matter. The body doesn't matter. The, the mind doesn't matter. The soul, that's eternal. That matters. So, so that's good. These things are bad. And they're the ones who came up with this idea of dualism. They're, they're the ones who the Apostle Paul was actually writing against in some of his letters. But I want you to understand that even now, that thinking is persistent in so many of you. If you have at all this thought, why is Pastor Mike talking about me stewarding my physical body? That's, that sounds like a fitness class and, and doesn't a, a, a belong in a church setting. The reason why you think that is because of the Greeks. But the Hebrews had a totally different concept. By the way, so did the Apostle Paul, so did Jesus Christ. God has a different concept, and the concept that God has is when you are created, when he created you, he created you body, mind, and soul as an integrated whole. You're, you're one beautiful, magnificent masterpiece of a being, and everything is interconnected and interwoven, and the idea of parsing it out going this place to deal with this, and going this place to deal with this, and going this place to deal with this, without realizing that they're all connected, that is doing a disservice to what God had in mind. And so we're gonna be challenged to have this Hebrew idea of self-stewardship, stewarding our whole being. And if you're filling in the blanks, the first one is that self-stewardship is not optional. It's not an option to be involved in self-stewardship, it's just not. And when I say it's not optional, there is actually, there's, there's no should in that statement. It's simply a reality. You're already involved in self-stewardship. You're gonna be involved in self-stewardship till you die. There are no options for it. You're already involved in how you care for your whole being, body, mind, and soul. You're already a part of that equation. The question is, are you doing it well or are you doing it poorly? And it's funny, because this is kind of a big deal in our, in our American culture today, and there's all sorts of, uh, of kind of funny things that we, that we know, we poke fun at ourselves about. For example, we saw these things this week. The first one says, I'd do anything to lose 10 pounds except eat healthy and work out. <laughs> this next one I, I think is pretty funny. Let's work out really hard, then rehydrate with margaritas. <laughs> Probably not a great idea. And this third one just reminds me of many of you in Seattle. Now, I've, this is my 24th year in ministry, and in the course of those 24 years, I have had so many opportunities to sit with folks and to walk with folks through different seasons of life. And I want to tell you that after having hundreds and hundreds, thousands of conversations in the last couple of decades, here's what I found. That when people have, a, when they have a solid character and a solid faith, when they have stewarded their lives well, in other words, they've been taking care of their bodies and their minds, they've been taking care of their soul, they've been taking care of their relationships, that when those things are a reality, they are better suited to handle the storms of life. Because friends, storms will come for all of us. 
But the flip side is also true. When people have not been stewarding well their body, minds, and souls, when they've not been stewarding relationships well, when they've not been stewarding maybe their finances well, when they've, and when they've not had a, a vibrant faith and, and a solid character, if they've not taken time to build those things, then when the storms come, there's all kinds of crazy unpleasantness that's added. And so I want you to understand that this is not optional, that we have this challenge and this call from God to take care of ourselves. In fact, you might want to write this down. Your well-being is not a luxury. It's not a luxury. Your life, your family, your ministry, and your legacy depend upon it. This idea, sometimes we think as Christians that we shouldn't be involved in self-care, that that's selfish. I'm going to tell you just the opposite is true. When you don't care for yourself at all, that's the most selfish thing you can do because then you're requiring other people to care for you. So you've got to be kind of taking care of this and, and recognize it's not optional. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to hear this with an additional layer. Your wellness is an asset for you to point people to Jesus. The, the, the well-being that you are stewarding, it actually reflects the glory of Christ. On the flip side, is also true. If you steward yourself poorly, then your lack of wellness prevents you from being part of what God might be calling you to do. I want to say this very, very clearly. Jesus does not care whether or not you have six-pack abs. Okay, he really doesn't. Uh, I, I, I say that with virtual certainty. I've read the Bible many times. It's not in there, okay? But I do want you to know that he cares greatly that you are able to live abundantly, that you are able to do what he calls you to do, that you don't opt out of his plan for you because you don't have enough energy or you don't have enough strength or you don't have enough courage. He cares greatly if we try to opt out of God's plan because comfort and immobility have claimed us. And so yes, this idea of, of self-stewardship, it's not an option, it's a part of God's call for our lives. And I would even say this just slightly stronger, neglecting your self-care is one of the ways the enemy takes you out of effectiveness. So you just got to process it. It's not optional for me. We just own that. It's not optional for us. The next thing, self-stewardship is foundational to our worship. It's foundational to the way that we worship God. And of course, the apostle Paul is the one who speaks about this. He says this in Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. You might want to circle that phrase. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You might want to circle that phrase as well. What's he doing? He's bringing those two things together. He's talking about you as an integrated whole, the renewing of your mind 
and the living sacrifice of your body together. This is what we offer God. And we say, God, we want to worship you. And of course, we sing songs like, like Lord, I give you my whole life, right? And, and so we say that somehow neglecting that Paul's actually talking about our bodies and our minds, right? That we would bring all of who we are and we would offer that to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is how I want to worship you. I want your glory to be reflected in how I'm caring for my body, how I'm caring for my mind, how I'm caring for my heart. All of these things are fertile ground for us to worship God and to reflect his glory. The next fill-in, self-stewardship agrees with God's work of creation and redemption. It agrees with God's work of creation and redemption. God's mighty acts of creation and redemption move, human, move toward human wellness. So when God first made humans, as Pastor John said earlier, this was the pinnacle of all creation, man and woman in the image of God, and he created us and then declared, very good. This is good. Of course, after the fall, Sin entered the world and infected and impacted every single molecule in the universe. This, how, this has affected nature. It's why we have disease. It's, it's, it, sin has literally impacted every single part of life. And certainly it's impacted us physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. But God's plan of redemption in Jesus Christ is that Jesus reconciles us all to God. And, and as a part of that reconciliation, as the whole universe is brought back into alignment with God, we're also brought back into alignment with God's perfect purpose, right? With his original goodness in creation. I found this just really interesting, and I never do this quote like ancient saints, but a guy named Saint Maximus the Confessor in the seventh century, said this, he said, there are three births that we have. The first is our natural birth into human being. The second is our spiritual birth into well-being. And the third is our resurrection into eternal well-being. Very interesting that, that we see the entire arc of creation and redemption brings us into the wellness that God has in mind for us. And the question that I would ask is, how is it that we can pray for healing and that we can preach for salvation and we can work for the good of the, the human race and yet neglect our own self-stewardship? Right? We have the audacity to pray heaven on earth. We pray that the, that the kingdom of God would come on earth as it is in heaven. But how is it that we pray for God's kingdom to come out there and we're not willing to pray for God's kingdom to come right here inside of all of who we are? So when this happens, I just want you to understand that that third birth from, from this life into our eternal well-being that will come with us having a resurrected bodies and that, that our bodies will be glorified. And I don't know if you've ever thought about that. What does that mean for our bodies to be glorified? It's so exciting to me. I mean, I might have thought more about this than maybe I should, but maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. Maybe you're like, oh, my body's going to look like Clark Kent or my body's going to look like Wonder Woman or 
I just want to look like Pastor Gary. I just want my body to look like him. But I would say this, that, that my guess is even in eternity with our glorified bodies, self-stewardship will still be a part of our responsibility. That's my guess. Because this is what God has given us. He's given us this vehicle. He's given us our being, interconnected body, mind, and soul. And he wants us to care for that gift. It's a part of our worship. The third thing here is that self-stewardship is a part of discipleship. It's a part of spiritual formation. If you've been around Overlake for any length of time, you know that spiritual formation is simply the work of God developing within us the image of his son, Jesus. So the scripture says in Romans 8, 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son. Please circle that phrase. To become like his son so that his son would be firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And this idea of becoming like his son, I want to declare to you very clearly, very, very clearly, this series is going to be built on Jesus Christ that we're actually gonna look at the son and we're gonna see what it was that he did. How did he live an active life? How did he treat food? What did he teach and what didn't he teach? And what was the culture of the first century and, and what would he maybe have addressed if he lived in our culture today? Because by the way, the culture that we live in today is quite different from the culture of the first century. And so we need to understand how we become like his son today. But I want you to see that this is all a part of discipleship, of spiritual formation. 1 Corinthians 15, 49 says, just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. And so if you want to know the theological term for this, it's called sanctification. Sanctification, it means that we are being transformed into the image of the Son of God, of Jesus Christ, the heavenly man. That's beautiful. It's like the Holy Spirit coming in. When we say yes to a relationship of love with him, it's like the Holy Spirit comes and he goes, I'm going to pump you up. And he's going to start working, and he's going to start building, and he's going to start changing. It's going to be this beautiful, beautiful thing. Now, what is it that we believe as a church that, that we are transformed into? We believe that we are being transformed into a community, a family of Christ followers who love God, who love people, and who serve the world. We believe that, that that's the expression of what does it look like for us today to reflect the image of God of Jesus. We, we are people who love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We're people who love others like we love ourselves. Oh, interesting. What does love mean? Love means that you want the very best for the other. You want God's best for the other person. So how interesting is it that we're to love the other person the way we love ourselves? Isn't it slightly hypocritical? to say that we would love someone else. We want God's best for someone else, but we don't take any concern about desiring God's best for ourselves, 
for self-stewardship, for stewarding the whole being that God has given us. I'll point you to this passage from 1 Timothy 4. This is from the message paraphrase. And right in the middle of this, I hope there's a verse that jumps out at you. It says, you've been raised on the message of the faith and have followed sound teaching. Now pass on this counsel to the followers of Jesus there and you'll be a good servant of Jesus. Stay clear of silly stories that get dressed up as religion. Exercise daily in God. No spiritual flabbiness, please. Workouts in the gymnasium are useful, but a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you both fit today and forever. That's powerful. You can count on this. Take it to heart. This is why you've thrown yourself into this adventure so totally. We're banking on the living God, Savior of all men and women, especially believers. I'd love for you to underline that phrase, making you fit both today and forever. That is the picture that we want to go after. And friends, as we embrace this challenge, you're going to notice something. You're going to notice your joy level rising. And that's my prayer for you. That's a part of that abundance that Jesus is inviting us into. So what I'd love for you to to do this morning, not just hear me talk about this, I want you to see a a tangible picture of what we're talking about. So I've asked my friend Shelly to come and share with us this morning. Would you please welcome Shelly as she comes today? Hi, my name is Shelly. I have dealt with food and weight problems all of my life. I've been on every diet out there and even had gastric bypass surgery when I was only 18. Making my stomach smaller only made me sick and I had to have the surgery undone years later. Nothing had ever stuck and I have always gained the weight back. In November of 2011, I finally decided I had to do something different. I was tired of being fat and sad. I had lost and gained large amounts of weight three times in my life, only to gain it all back, plus some. I decided this time had to be different. I knew if I wanted things to be different, I needed healing. Healing from my past and my food issues. I needed to seek God's help. I found a book called Made to, that changed my life called Made to Crave. It talks about satisfying our deepest desires with God, not food. I decided to be able to have time to read. I needed to take a Facebook break. So for two months, I deleted my Facebook account and read books every chance that I could. I wanted to read books written by people that had lost weight and kept it off. Statistics are so high for people that have lost a lot of weight to gain it all back again. During that time, I was eating healthy and going to the gym, but the regular workouts were getting boring. That's when I decided to try something new. My hubby and I were watching The Biggest Loser, and they featured different workouts that are fun, not boring. They showed the contestants doing Zumba, and it looked so fun. But I thought, oh, I cannot do that. But but with the help of my awesome hubby, I got up the courage to try a Zumba class. He said he would come with me the first time. I had never taken a fitness class or anything like it, so walking in the door was terrifying to me. But I went since he was meeting me there. I ended up loving it. I started taking regular classes at my gym, and it helped me lose over 90 pounds. I have kept the weight off for three years now. After a year of taking Zumba... After a year of taking Zumba classes, I started feeling like God was telling me to get Zumba instructor certified. Who, me, I would say? No way. I cannot do that. 
Dancing in front of people is terrifying, and I will never be able to do that. Ha, huh, never say never. During this time, Pastor Mike was going through a series called Living the Dream. His message was so encouraging for everyone to think about short-term and long-term goals for our lives. OCC had a huge chalkboard in the wall in the hall that said, before I die, dot, dot, dot. Everyone was encouraged to write out our goals. I wanted to put that before I die. I want to become a Zumba instructor, but I was too scared to write it. In the message, Mike asked, if my life were a book and I were the author, how would I want my story to look? I wanted one of my chapters to be about teaching Zumba, so I finally decided to take the Zumba training. I knew I would have fun learning all about it, but I still did not believe I could really do it. I had a great time, but when I started practicing routines at home, I would mess up and freeze, so I still didn't think teaching was for me. I didn't want to teach as a job, I just wanted to share it with others. Fast forward eight months later, I began helping out with blessing my city at OCC and brainstorming ways to bless my city. I had several different friends that, had, that were inspired by my weight loss and asked if I could teach a Zumba class. I had to tell them that yes, I actually was already certified, but I had not been brave enough to teach yet. Well, that opened up several doors that God had ready for me. A great friend, Zandy, asked me if I could bring fitness to special delivery and teach a class. Eek! I adore Zandy and special delivery, so how could I say no? But I was terrified. For the next three weeks, I practiced and prayed and practiced, and I actually began to remember routines. This was so exciting for me because before that, I could not remember the next steps. I had been so used to following instructors that it was hard to switch places and lead. The first my first class was at Special Delivery on May 15th. I led several classes there, and then we decided to move to OCC to open it up to more people. I love sharing Zumba with friends in our community. It's definitely something I never thought I could, would be able to do, but that's my new life motto. Try something you never thought you could do. It may turn out to be the best thing in your life. God calls us to trust him, to take the next step forward in health. Many times we get caught up in taking care of others, but taking care of yourself is so important. Sometimes making wise food choices to eat well is a battle, but I choose to fight for my health. I want to leave a healthy legacy for my children. I encourage everyone to try something new. Step out of your comfort zone and find something you love. Zumba might not be for everybody, but for me, it was exactly what I needed. A fun workout that I always look forward to. In fact, I know Pastor Mike has encouraged everyone to get moving this month. If you need a fun way to get started, join me for Zumba at OCC on Mondays and Wednesdays at noon. If I can do it, you can do it. Thanks for letting me share. Well, Shelly's right. I am going to bring a challenge that we would all make a commitment this month. And in order for us to do that, what I want to do is I want to build on some momentum. I want us to get some momentum going. Shelly's already started that by sharing her story. But if we're going to build momentum for something, we need to know what it is. So I just want to be really clear. I'm not interested in building momentum for like a quick 30-day spike, and then we're done with that, and we move on to the next thing. What I'm really interested in us doing is using this next 30 days to make a commitment to the Lord so that we can actually allow him to change the whole rest of our life. 
So we're actually looking at what does it look like for a lifestyle change that we would be willing to embrace not only for 30 days. I think it's, you know, it's kind of natural that it's happening right here before Easter. We're joining in this Lenten season. We're offering our whole being to the Lord. But it's not just for this month. It's for a lifestyle change that will carry on in, into sort of the rest of our lives. In order to do that, we need to, to have some things in mind. So again, if you're filling in the blanks, the first one, momentum comes from building our lives on God's truth. We need to build our lives. We need to have our framework, our mentality built on God's truth. That when I'm challenging you for self-stewardship, what you need to realize is, is we are stewards of an incredible resource. It's like if you could picture maybe a friend of yours who's very, very wealthy, he hands you the keys to his brand new Ferrari. And he says, hey, look, I'm going out of town for a few months. I want you to take care of this car for me, if you will. Just enjoy it and have fun with it. But I'll be back in September to get it. You know, you would be really careful with that car. You'd probably not let your kids eat yogurt in the back seat. You'd probably not take that car off-roading. You know, there's just some things that you would, yeah, my guess is you would enjoy the car on a date night and then you'd pull it into the driveway and then you would wipe it with a diaper, you know, like that kind of thing. You would be very, very careful about putting good gasoline in it so that it runs well, looks good, so that when your friend returns, you could hand him his car back and say, hey, here you go, I took care of it. And I want you to know that God has given you the keys to a vehicle infinitely more valuable. He's handed you the keys to your being, body, mind, and soul. And he said, hey, I want you to steward this well. See, the Bible says, when we're talking about God's truth, you are not your own, you're bought with a price. If your body wasn't important to Jesus, why is he planning on resurrecting it? You see, this is one of those deals where when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. What's the truth? Well, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the truth is that you are a temple of the Most High God, and he dwells within you. So how ought we steward this temple, this housing case of God Almighty? Right? Once we start getting our minds around God's truth and how we can steward our, our whole being well, then it's going to help us change to the lifestyle that God wants us to live. That'll help us build momentum. The next thing that it, building momentum, it requires being mindful every day. Being mindful every day. This, this concept of mindfulness, it comes up again and again, but we need to be mindful about what we're putting into our bodies, not just what we're eating, but what we're watching and what we're reading and what we're consuming. We, we also need to be mindful of how active we are, how inactive we are, how often we sit. All of these things. It helps us to bring this level of attention to us. And I have this feeling that what's going to happen is, is some of you right now, even now God's kind of working on your heart, some of you are thinking, oh, you know what, I'm so inspired by Pastor Mike, I'm so excited about getting moving, and so tomorrow morning you go to the gym, you hit it hard, you had a workout that you did in high school, so you pull that back out, you hit it really, really hard, you look at yourself in the mirror afterwards, you go, nothing changed, you're just so confused. The next morning, you've got just a little bit more energy to continue this process. So you go to the gym, you work out really hard, you look in the mirror, you want to cry because not only does nothing look different, but you're really, really sore. 
It is not fun. Look what the scripture says here. It says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Some of you, that's what you're going to experience right away. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. You know what this passage says? It says, good things are coming. You are going to reap incredible benefits. There's going to be a harvest ahead of you. You just keep going. A harvest of energy, a harvest of courage, a harvest of strength, a harvest of joy. God wants us to experience these things, but we need to keep going. So in order to be mindful every day, what we've done is we've built a blog. We've already gone ahead and, and, and had, developed the content for it, but we'll be posting every day in a blog, and, and you'll find that on your outline. Uh, it's on the screen as well. If you're connected uh, to me on Facebook, I'll be, I'll be posting on Facebook as well. But we want to make sure that we just give these little snapshots, things that help us to be mindful of the life that God wants us to live. And the last fill in here is that we need to, in order to build motivation and, and momentum, we need to beat isolation with honest partnership. Honest partnership. That if we try to make lifestyle changes in isolation, it's incredibly difficult. But God provides powerful muscle in relationships. So maybe this is where you get a buddy or two. There are actually several life groups at Overlake right now that are working through the Daniel plan. Maybe this is a conversation you have in your life group. Maybe you lean in to your relationship with your spouse, and, and that becomes something that you are touching base with every day, and, and, and you're encouraging one another in this journey. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I want you to understand that in relationship, it stops being a discipline, and it begins to be fun. And I'll just give you a quick example. Over these last two weeks, I had the opportunity to go down to California for a little bit. And when I came back, I took my family down to this place in uh, the Tacoma Narrows, and we were able to stay in a buddy's cabin down there for a few days. And, and so in these last couple weeks, I've had a little extra time. And so I, I surfed with my brother, and I paddleboarded with, uh, or I surfed with my brother-in-law. I paddleboarded with my brother, hiked with my mom. I, I've hiked with my whole family. Um, was able to, to hit the gym a couple times, working out with my wife. I was running on the trails a few times with my son, uh, once with my daughter. I want you to understand that, that all of this activity, none of it to me felt like a burden, but it all felt like a joy. And I want us to get to this place, right? I, I want you to know that Pastor Mike, I've got a desire to be active for the entire rest of my life, okay? That's the desire that I have. I, I wanna be active, I turned 45 this summer, and I wanna be active for the next 45 years. I wanna be the granddad that, that snowboards with his grandkids. I want to always wrestle around on the floor with my grandkids. I want, I want to be the guy that's, that's active like forever so that where, whenever God calls me to go to Africa on a mission trip, whenever he calls me to serve my next door neighbor, whenever he calls me to do whatever, that I have the energy and the strength and the courage to say yes to God's call. That's what I want. But even more than what I want is what God wants. And I want you to understand that that's what God wants for you. 
He wants you because he knows the plans that he has for you. He knows that they're good plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. He knows what it is that he has in store for you. And he doesn't want anything to get in the way of that plan. And so, yeah, self-stewardship, this is a big deal. And that's why I, I want you to take just a moment, grab this card out of your handout. And it says, it's kind of blank. It just says, my March Well commitment. And what I want you to do is I want you to write on this card. Please don't put your name on it. But I want you to write on this card something that you sense right now God is calling you to do. In the next 30 days, what's, what's a way in which you can participate in this initiative, in this challenge, in this campaign? I have a feeling that if we all filled out these cards, that every single card would be different because we're all in different places when it comes to self-stewardship. For some of you, it's gonna be intellectually challenged or a challenge for your perspective, a challenge for your attitude. For some of you, it'll be a challenge for your food intake, your relationship with food. How do you get healthy in that conversation? For others of you, it will be activity. You've not been active, you, you need to get active, you need to start moving. For, for some of you, that's where the, the commitment will be. But I would love it if all of you would grab this card and just take a, a few moments. For me, my commitment's around activity. I'm gonna be active for the next 30 days. In whatever way, shape, or form I can do that, I wanna build in activity. I was talking to my buddy Mark Bauman earlier. He said his commitment's gonna be regarding food because he wants to be mindful of what it is that he's putting into his body. Again, I, I'm not trying to say this to give you guidance. I just want you to be free. My thought is God's already been nudging your heart. The moment we started talking about self-stewardship, my guess is that God's been prompting you. You know, that thing you've been thinking about, that thing that you've been wanting to start, that thing that you've been putting off, go ahead and put that down on the card, and then you can drop these in the, in the offering buckets as they're passed. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Right? So we want to build in this challenge. We want to build in this discipline so that, so that we can, our whole being, that we can do what we should. Now, last thing that's on your notes here is I want you to understand that, that there is always going to be a reason to build excuses into your life, right? That, that so often people say, well, I, if I was a part of a gym or if I had access to a pool or whatever, that then I could be healthy. But, you know, since I don't, that's money I don't have, whatever. So there are four free options on your notes. The first one is I've been in conversation with the Redmond Athletic Club right here in downtown Redmond. It's just about half a mile away from the church. And uh, they are giving you a month free at the Redmond Athletic Club. So if you just show up, you say, hey, I'm, I'm here from Overlake Christian Church. I'm participating in the 30-day challenge. They will set you up. You can have access to all the classes, all that stuff. It's just a free option for you. Uh, second thing, Shelly already mentioned it, but we've got the Zumba class that's offered here on our campus. The third thing, I, I went ahead and I had them build a trail right behind our church. It's called the Sammamish River Trail and uh, connects to the Burke Gilman Trail, and that's 30 miles, traffic-free, ends in the Ballard Locks. You can go running and biking and hiking and all that stuff. It's all for you. And the last freebie option, it's not actually connected to the church at all. It's just called the 7-Minute the Workout. 
And you can go online, you can see what that is, real simple. I'll be blogging about that a little bit later. But the idea is it only takes seven minutes and it requires no equipment. So it's something that we can, we can take a look. If we don't have a lot of time, we don't have any gear, this is something that we can do just to begin to be active. Okay, so those are some free, free thoughts. The last thing I want to say as I close, it's probably the most important thing. And that is that this is a no shame zone. It's a no shame zone. I know so often when the conversation starts to go to this idea of self-stewardship, instantly so many of us, we get right in the midst of shame and guilt that we haven't been doing it right. I want you to understand something. We don't tackle this concept of self-stewardship to earn God's love. He loves you right now completely. He loves you right now unconditionally. Whether you ever take one step towards what we're talking about today, he loves you perfectly right now. You don't ever have to earn his love. All right? So, so just take that off the table. We're not trying to get in shape. We're not trying to get active. We're not trying to diet or whatever it is that God's prompting you to. Not, not so you can earn his love, not at all. He's already given it to you. The second way this is a no shame zone is because of all of the crazy messages in our culture. We are so immediately tempted to compare ourselves to everybody else. We're so immediately drawn to to running ourselves down and to, and to lifting others up. Oh, I wish I looked like him. Oh, I wish I was built like her. Oh, I, I, I wish I had his natural this or his, his this or her this. And, and we're instantly putting ourselves down and we're building others up. And this creates this, it's just crippling immobility. And so I just want to take it all away. There's no shame. No shame. God loves you perfectly right now. We do not compare ourselves to one another. No, no, no. Instead, we just link arms. And we're going to go after this thing of self-stewardship. We're going to go after this thing of wellness. We're going to do this together. Not in order to earn the love of Jesus, but simply in response to his love. Okay? So why don't you bow your heads, close your eyes, and let's pray. Lord Jesus, what we want to do is we want to begin by saying thank you. Thank you that you have created us in love, that you have poured out your blessings over our lives, that you have allowed us this, this incredibly complex and interconnected vehicle of our body, our mind, and our soul. And Jesus, you also say that, that we are so valuable to you that you will pursue us in love and that you give your life for us on the cross that we might be saved in love. Not only created in love, but saved in love. And now, Lord Jesus, you invite us to live in love with you. And so we ask that you would show us how we might do that, that we might steward our mind, our attitude, our intellect, that we might steward our body and our fitness and, and our relationship with food, that, that we might steward our hearts well so that we could be in this relationship of love with you that is abundant in this lifetime and then the lasts for eternity in the next.
We pray this, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen.